thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is That Paleo Show with your hosts, Stephanie Wozalik, Dr. Yana James, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Stephanie Wozlick. I'm Dr. Yana James. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. Our guest today has a very special place in our hearts, and we were thrilled to meet him last year when he came to Adelaide on his Low Carb Down Under tour. Jimmy Moore was the first health celebrity that I met, um, other than Brett, of course. (laughs) And I was giddy at the thought of getting to have lunch with him when he came here. And Jimmy doesn't know this, but after lunch with him, that was the first time that Brett suggested to me that we should do a paleo podcast together. (laughs) So Yana also speaks really fondly of Jimmy because he was her inspiration at the start of her health journey as well. He hasn't just touched our lives, but he inspires hundreds of thousands of people each week with his podcasts, um, Live and Levita Low Carb Show, the Ask the Low Carbs Experts Show, and the Low Carb Conversations Show. He also has a blog and is the author of three books. The first one is 21 Life Lessons from Live and La Vida Low Carb, How the Healthy Low Carb Lifestyle Changed Everything I Thought I Knew. The second is Live and La Vida Low Carb, My Journey from Flabby Fat to Sensationally Skinny in One Year. And the most recent one, Cholesterol Clarity, What the HDL is Wrong with My Numbers, which will be released in August in the U.S. and later worldwide. I'm going to let Jimmy tell the rest of his story since it's really the most impressive one that I've heard so far, and I'm sure that you'll all be as inspired as we are. So welcome to the show, Jimmy Moore. Yes. Hello. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Let's try that again. What, you there now? You just cut out a good little bit. Good eye, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome, do that? <laughs> welcome to the show, Jimmy. What's going on? Oh, not much. Noon here. Thanks for staying up late for us. <laughs> Noon, and it's uh, 1030 at night for me, so you got to love uh, the internet, don't you? <laughs> yeah, that's a great thing. So, Jimmy, I first heard you um, speak when you were interviewed by the Wellness Guys, uh, right, I guess, kind of pretty much when they started, and your story just floored me. So maybe you could start by sharing it with our listeners? Sure. In uh December of 2003, I was a mess. I weighed 410 pounds, wore size 62-inch waist pants, 5XL shirts, was on three prescription medications for breathing, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. I mean, I was in bad shape. And my mother-in-law, God bless her soul, gave me a copy of Dr. Atkins' New Diet Revolution for Christmas that year. How, How many people have gotten diet books from their (laughs) mother-in-laws for Christmas. Well, she had actually given me diet books for several Christmases, but this one, for some reason, stuck. Um, I read the book and read about eating more fat and eating less carbohydrate, and you're supposed to lose weight doing this. And I was like, this guy is totally whacked out of his mind. There's no way you can possibly be successful doing that. But I tried it in January January 1st, actually, 2004, and that first month, I lost 30 pounds. Wow. Uh, not sure how many kilos that is, but about it's a lot. 15, I think. Yeah, yeah. about 15 yeah. kilos. And then second month, I lost another 20 kilos, and by the end of 100 days, I'd lost 100 total pounds, and by the end of that year, 
it was 180 pounds off my body, totally looked like a different man, and in all honesty, was a totally different man at the end of that journey. Wow. Wow, that's amazing, Jimmy. And Jimmy, you know, one of the things I've found, uh, you know, doing a little bit of work with you when you came out to Adelaide and, and, you know, conversing with you via email and stuff is that I think you're one of the most uh, the most giving guys in the health and podcasting world. You know, you, you really seem to be inspired to not just share your message, but really help others share their message as well. Uh, so first of all, thank you for that. Uh, but secondly, um, you know, what's your why, Jimmy? Like, what's your sort of motivation to be so giving and so generous with your, with your time and with your information? You know, the way I see this, Brett, is there's too much at stake here. We have lives to be changed. I mean, I think about Dr. Yana, you know, being so inspired by my show, and I'm, I'm very humbled by that and very grateful. She's a great friend of mine now. <laughs> but it's people like her who, but for me doing what I'm doing, you guys doing what you're doing with that paleo show, what you're doing, Brett, with... Uh, the Wellness Guys podcast, all of us together are going to make a difference in the culture. I can't reach everybody with the Living La Vida Low Carb show and all the work that I do. So we need many voices. So the reason I'm so giving and willing to help people is I want to see this message out there. And it's not about Jimmy Moore trying to get any glory for himself. It's about getting that message out there. And if the message gets out there, the world will change and we're all going to be better as a result. Love it. That's fantastic, Jimmy. Um, I know I've been listening to you for a while and I I think you and I have shared a very similar sort of story in, in changing the macronutrients and then realizing that, you know, quality matters just as much. Yep. And um, I know you're, you're onto nutritional ketosis now. So do you think you could cover a little bit of what you learned at each step of the way along your journey in terms of going from low carb to, I guess, more on that primal side of things to now nutritional ketosis? Sure. So when I started, it was purely about carbohydrates. It was purely about, okay, I was a carb addict. I needed to get off those carbs. And it was just counting carb grams. And over the years, uh, Yana, I've realized it's not just about the carbs anymore. Mm. And I, I think the, the grand message is if you're going to get there, you've got to take the baby steps, I suppose, for your mind to wrap around it. And for me, just wrapping my head around you're eating way too many carbohydrates in your diet was the necessary first step. Yeah. And so building upon that, uh, when the paleo community came around and started slapping me upside the head with, with some good <laughs> messages, I realized I needed real food in my uh, world a lot more than the packaged garbage, as I like to call it. Mm -hmm. And so making that change shifted to better quality of food. So it was low carb with better quality. And then I realized that there were certain things that were causing me trouble, like too much protein that I needed to moderate that back. And it's just making those little tweaks. And here's the important part. These aren't tweaks that necessarily everybody needs to make in my talk in Adelaide. You know, I talked about eating an 85, 12, three diet of fat, protein, carbohydrate, but not everybody needs to eat that ratio to get the benefits that I've received, but that's what I have to do. And I think it's just constantly being aware of what you and your body has to do to be as optimally healthy as you can be. That's the goal. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Jimmy. Could, could you just jump back a little bit? Cause I mean, we've talked a lot about paleo on this show, obviously that paleo show, but yep. could you maybe give our listeners a little bit of a lowdown on low carb and kind of what that generally means in the low carb community? 
Oh, wait, this show's called That Paleo Show. I'm sorry. I have the wrong show. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. What was the question again about low carb? Could you just maybe describe what low carb means in the low carb community? Because our listeners don't necessarily follow a low carb approach with paleo. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting because people want to define low carb as a specific amount of carbohydrate in a day. So, I don't look at it that way. To me, low carb is whatever your carbohydrate tolerance level is. So for somebody like Dr. Brett, perhaps 100, 150 grams of carbohydrate is the perfect amount for him because he can tolerate that amount. For somebody like me and maybe Dr. Yana, a little lower amount is going to be necessary. So when I say low carb, I mean, you think about uh, what we call the SAD diet, the standard American diet is 300 plus grams of carbohydrate a day, mostly sugar, mostly high fructose corn syrup, um, you know, th those kind of things. Eliminating it down from that level, to me, anything less than that is, is pretty much <laughs> low carb. Um, some of us need to do a little more strict low carb than just maybe 100, 150 grams. But I think if you eat less than the SAD diet, you're pretty much eating a low-carb diet. <laughs> yeah, I like that, Jimmy. That makes a lot of sense to me because I think, uh, yeah, I have that conversation with people and they say, yeah, but you're not low-carb. And I say, well, compared to what? <laughs> like, if you compare me yeah. to the, you know, the food pyramid, I'm massively right. low-carb. But compared to perhaps you or Dr. Yana, then maybe I'm not. So um, I guess the thing we need to know then, Jimmy, is if we're, if we're trying to figure out what's the right ratio for us, is uh, you know, how do you recommend people judge that? I mean, do they judge that purely just based on symptoms or are we you know, getting blood tests and checking our numbers? Like, What's the best way to go about figuring out what is the right for you? You know, the magical way for people to do this, and it's a beautiful thing because they're so accessible really anywhere in the whole world, is to get yourself a glucometer. And a lot of people balk at that because they're like, I'm not a diabetic and mm -hmm. what do I need to measure my blood sugar for? But you want to know how you respond to foods. The best way to do it, besides paying attention to how you feel, because I do think that's important as well, but measure your blood glucose. So measure it at, you know, right before you eat. So a fasting level and then measure it at 30 minute intervals for at least two hours and see what's going on with your blood sugar. And if it's going wackadoodle all over the place, you know, that's probably not a very good food for you. But if you're able to keep your blood sugar under control, for example, I can eat, you know, a, a plate of pastured eggs cooked in some butter with some you know, melted cheese on top. Yes, I have cheese in my primal <laughs> diet. Um, you know, and, and that doesn't spike my blood sugar at all. But if I had a, a bagel with cream cheese, you better believe it's going to go very high and then drop, you know, down like a rock. It's going to be horrible. Mm. Yeah. So people have to experiment and find out what works for them. So when we're talking about the glucometer, Jimmy, we're talking about the pinprick, right? We're actually going to get a pinprick, get some blood, and, and that, that alone might freak some people out. Uh, but, yeah. and, and use those little strips, and we're measuring it like that, aren't we? Yeah, I have actually tested myself multiple times for about a year and a half now. Uh, the prick is, is not a big deal. The, the key is go to like the side of your finger where it's a little thicker flesh and poke there, and you won't even hardly feel it. Yeah, that's that's a that's an excellent tip. That's one that I got, and I have to say, um, testing my blood glucose was one of the best ways for me to work out what my body could tolerate um, yep. in terms of keeping my blood sugar level. I would love to go to a doctor and have your blood tests read, like go to your integrative doctor, and he pulls out your blood test and goes, 
Yeah, look, your blood sugar's just wackadoodle all over the place. That would be great. <laughs> Have you Love it. <laughs> um, so when we so talking about blood, blood glucose, that I then I guess kind of leads into that whole nutritional ketosis thing. Do you think you can explain that? Because I know I have people all the time get into the hysteria of ketosis is dangerous and you're going to kill yeah. yourself thing. So can you can you cover why nutritional ketosis isn't dangerous? Yeah. So basically, when I say nutritional ketosis, I'm trying to get my body. Uh, to produce an adequate amount of ketones that would act as a an alternative fuel source for the body. Because, quite frankly, the reason why people think uh, they need to eat carbohydrates is they think that's the only way you can fuel your body. Mm. But you and I both know that you can also use ketones as an adequate fuel source. It's what I tested for the past year and um, you know was greatly successful at it once I found what I needed to do to produce the ketones. So... For me, it was eating adequate amounts of fat, moderating the protein down to the level that's my personal threshold, which was about 80 grams of protein a day, maybe four ounces of protein. I, I don't know how you convert it in Australia, but I had trouble with that there. It's, um, it's even – I think it gets even trickier because it's – um. Like when you're talking total carbohydrate or total protein, you're not saying the weight of that food is right. that amount of protein, right? It's the the, right. the percentage in that type of food that makes up the protein. And that just gets quite confusing for people, I think. Yeah, it can. And I think, you know, I don't really obsess about it that it has to be exactly on a number. I think, you know, once you kind of know your level and, and where you're supposed to be, you can eyeball it and be pretty darn close. I mean, my my carbohydrate intake also needs to be uh, low, probably between 25 to 30 grams a day for me. Again, somebody else could still do well. In fact, right now, my wife, Christine, who you guys met uh, yeah. when we came to Australia, and she is doing a nutritional ketosis for one month just to kind of see where she stands. She's eating a whole lot more carbohydrates and a whole lot more protein and a little less fat than I do, and she's seeing similar numbers in her ketone levels. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a great lesson. But your question about ketosis being dangerous no. I mean, in fact, I just got in a, a discussion with somebody on Twitter today who was trying to make the argument that I was making myself toxic by having ketones. And so we, we had a nice little back and forth dis discussion <laughs> about, no, that's kind of how our hunter-gatherer ancestors survived was on ketones. That, you know, when, when there was a time of famine, how do you think they fueled their bodies? It wasn't, they weren't eating, you know, leaves and and getting carbohydrates that way no they were fasting they were producing ketones until they could go and kill a woolly mammoth or whatever and 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 eat mm. so uh, let's talk about that jimmy i think fasting is probably an interesting spot we can go here and, and talk a little bit about you know how fasting fits into this sort of ketosis experiment um i know you recommended an, an ebook to me which i read by a guy called i think it was bernardi uh, and uh, and that was fascinating. It really got into the, that whole fasting, and, and it's really changed the way I've thought about a number of things. But can you tell us how fasting fits into your regime? Yeah, John Berardi is his name. Thank but, you. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, no, you're good. So, yeah, when I first started this, I had heard about the whole intermittent fasting, and I thought, man, that is the most, and I'm going to use it again, wackadoodle thing <laughs> in the world. Y'all are going to have to call this episode the Jimmy Moore wackadoodle episode. Uh, but it was crazy to me 
to want to fast yourself and starve yourself, and that just sounds so horrifyingly miserable. But when I first started doing nutritional ketosis and I was having adequate ketones because I was measuring it in my blood, just like we were talking about measuring blood sugar, you can measure blood ketones in the same way. A- anyway, so when I found that I had adequate blood ketones, something magical happened. I stopped being hungry. Yeah. Mm. Well, when you're not hungry, guess what you don't do? You don't eat. So when you don't eat, what do we call that? Fasting. And so I was spontaneously engaging in this periods of intermittent fasting that would last 12, 14, 16, sometimes as much as 24, even 30 hours at a time Mm. between meals. Now, it wasn't every day, but I think once you nourish your body adequately with great quality foods, like we were talking about earlier, that are right for you, that are nourishing your body, you don't have to eat breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, snack, midnight <laughs> yeah. snack. I mean, that's kind of the the ruthless routine that so many people fall into. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy, that's definitely what I experienced as well. Like, I don't know if I was specifically in ketosis or not, but just eating more fat and less carbs made a massive difference to me. I didn't have any more of my blood sugar crashes that I used to have terrible symptoms for. So, um, yeah, I, I love spreading that message. So thank you. Yeah. It's extremely liberating to not have to think about food every two hours, isn't it? It's great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think it's certainly something we've all found just kind of starts to happen innately anyway, that as you start eating more of a sort of primal or paleo diet or more of a, you know, getting more fats into your diet, that you're just not hungry and you find yourself just even without even thinking about it, oh, yeah, I didn't actually have breakfast this morning. Whoops, you know. And, uh, and so it does definitely change your relationship with food. And I found that that uh, book I mentioned on fasting was fantastic in terms of helping with that too. Uh, but, Jimmy, I was curious. Uh, I know uh, Ben Greenfield, who we just interviewed recently on The Wellness Guys, has just been running a uh, experiment where he was doing a triathlon on ketosis. Have you come yep. across that at all? Have you been following that? Oh, yeah. Ben's a great friend of mine. And uh, yeah, he's actually going to be on a panel with me in August at the Ancestral Health Symposium. I I wish you guys could come to that in Atlanta. But uh, he's going to be on a panel with Rob Wolf, Mark Sisson and uh, Jamie Scott from uh, New Zealand. And so all of us are going to kind of talk about this whole idea of ketogenic diets and athletic performance. So really looking forward to that. And yeah, Ben's contributions to that, his firsthand, you know, trying to be purposefully as an athlete, a very elite athlete in ketosis to see how he does. I'm, I'm anxious to see uh, how this whole experiment plays out. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that, um, we probably wouldn't know, but I think the Ancestral Health Symposium, you should be able to, if you can't attend it, download the audios. I think they did that last year. So I might have to. Yeah, yeah, get they'll have that. the audio. Cool. They'll have audio and video after it's over. Yeah. Mm, awesome. awesome. Well, maybe moving a little bit more towards paleo, Jimmy, how, how does paleo fit into your life or primal? You said before that you have cheese. So how does that fit with like the low carb thing for you? Yeah. So when I first started this, it was just like I said earlier about the low carb uh, foods and anything that had, I guess, low in carbs. I ate it Uh, (laughs) since I've been influenced by my friends in the paleo community. And this is the one thing I've given great credit to um, all those people in the paleo community that really have pushed the whole real food uh, and the Weston A. Price people, uh, people like Sean Croxton, just Mm -hmm. a lot of people really impressed upon me that it's not just about the macronutrients that you really have to pay attention to 
what it is you're putting in your mouth. So for me, that translates into pastured eggs. Mm. Yeah. So, so Jimmy, you know, what were the raw sources of dairy? What were the main things you were doing wrong then? I guess, like, what what were the main things that they helped you identify that doing low carb wasn't sort of working for you? Yeah, and and I'm still low carb, but I would yeah. say it's probably low carb ketogenic primal. Yeah, um, <laughs> I like it. it. If I have to label it with something, I don't really label it. I just no. eat. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I mean. I would buy eggs from the grocery store. I would get, you know, conventional meat because it's low carb, mm. um, not realizing that I was probably not getting the best quality of food. I, I think over time you realize once you've made yourself healthier by cutting carbs and increasing fat and eating appropriately, then you're like, hmm, how else can I improve this? oh yeah, let's get the better quality of food. And to me, the expense has been totally worth it. Um, although I've got a guy that gives me eggs locally. He's got a local farm with chickens and he only sells them for about $2 a dozen for wow. eggs. Now that's less than I pay for the crap eggs in the grocery <laughs> store. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very fortunate in that realm. And then I get raw cheese and, and Kerrygold butter. And nice. yeah, it's just, it's just really nice food that nourishes me. And I feel better eating this kind of food. I've added in, uh, you know, some other things like, uh, you know, bone broth now and then I tried the kombucha. I'm not a big fan of kombucha. Oh, Jimmy. <laughs> I know, but I do like sauerkraut and not, you know, and I, I get my sources of, of the good buggers as uh, Rob Wolf would say. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you've heard our recent episode, Jimmy, but I've been kind of a little bit obsessed with kombucha of late. It's yes, like... I know. I threw that in there just for you. <laughs> Yeah, well, thanks for talking about food quality, Jimmy, because for us, I think for all of us, paleo just is a framework of like certain foods that are really good quality and real food as well. I think all of us would kind of agree that you can fit a lot of different quote unquote diets into the yep. paleo diet, like vegetarianism and stuff other than other than maybe those like shakes and things. <laughs> we probably yeah. really agree with those. But yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Jimmy, you mentioned raw cheese before, and that, that's been sort of a bit of a controversial topic in Australia at the moment with the whole raw milk, raw cheese thing. Is that the case over in America as well? Like, do you get grief for sourcing out raw cheese or raw dairy? Oh, it's obsessively uh, crazy in America. I I'm thankfully in one of nine states in uh, America where raw dairy is legal. Wow. And so I'm able to get raw cream from a local store and not fear prosecution, although uh, there are the powers that be in our government that are trying to crack down on that. I mean, we have, you know, dairy farms that are basically raided by the FDA here in America. It's just, it's really, it's crazy. This is real food we're talking about, and they're wanting to take it away from us. It's, it's really, it's sad. Yeah, it's it's um, under examination at the moment in Adelaide or in South Australia. There's a lot of stuff going on with the raw dairy. Um, and, you know, I think one of the comments I read in one of the threads of emails was, you know, they want to take away raw milk from us, but you can totally go to your heart's content with McDonald's after a sporting match for the kids. Like, yeah. you know, where's, where's the sense in that? It's It just doesn't make sense. I know um, in your podcast, Jimmy, you often talk about – um, your local farmers and, and access to that. How important would you say that is to you now? 
Well, I actually lost that farm. Uh, they oh, actually nice. shut down. So I'm, I've had trouble trying to find a new source of like uh, grass fed beef and that kind of thing. I, I get I, I go to several different places now to get like the raw cream and the grass fed butter and that kind of thing. But, yeah, it's extremely important. And, and thankfully, we have a pretty good resource. I'm not sure if they uh, show farms and things around the world, but in America and, and in North America, there's a great website called eatwild.com. Oh. And on there, it shows like local farms and, and places where you can get real food. Uh, you know, the raw dairy, the organic vegetables, the grass fed meats and, and things like that. So, um, it's extremely important. Find a good source of the real food and support those people and stop you know, if you can stop purchasing the food in the grocery stores and they're going to feel the pinch. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, next time you're in Adelaide, Jimmy, I'm going to have to take you into the central markets. I took a friend to this store the other day and they've got everything there, like crocodile, pigeon, like any meat you can possibly imagine they've got in the little store there. So we'll have to take you there and show you some real uh, Aussie wildlife. (laughs) You guys are so spoiled in Australia. You don't even know it. I just, you know, I I still dream of you know, walking through that market with you guys. And it, it was just, wow. I'm just, I'm blown away because there's nothing like that in America that I've seen. I'm just worried about going back to Canada, Jimmy. I mean, we can't grow as much there. It's winter. So I, yeah. I definitely appreciate Australian produce for sure. Yep. And the avocados everywhere. I love this. Okay. <laughs> Jimmy, um, I was just wondering, you, you, You've been on a really big journey. Could you maybe talk a little bit about the trial and error that you've experienced over time and kind of your quest for your individual solution? Because I think a lot of people listening to this kind of want to know how they can figure this out for themselves. And you talked a little bit about the the blood glucose monitor, but maybe some more. (laughs) So, yeah, a lot of people, they think, okay, you lose weight. I lost the 180 pounds and... 2004. Everything's hunky-dory. You never, ever have any trouble ever again, right? (laughs) If if only, right? So for me, I think it's just consciously being engaged because the moment that you give up is the moment that it all comes crumbling down. But as long as you're still engaged, even if you haven't arrived at where you're supposed to be or where you want to be, that's okay. I think people... They got to be kind to themselves. And and one thing I've had to do over these past few years where I gained back, uh, you know, 70 something pounds of the you know weight that I had lost. I've, I've since lost it again, though. So that's good. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just being kind to yourself, being patient and just keep trying different things. Because keep in mind, you get older, things can change about you that might have worked before that doesn't work now. That's OK. So measuring your blood sugar is a great thing. Don't uh, overly obsess about the scale. Too many people put all their, uh, you know, everything about them is dictated by what that scale tells them. So don't necessarily measure your progress by the scale. Check your blood pressure. How's that going? Is it going in the good direction? Check just how you feel, your energy levels, your hunger levels, all of these tangible ways to kind of track your progress, I think can keep you on the straight and narrow. And if something's not working, by all means, shake things up, do something different, but whatever you do, don't give up. Yes. 
And that's where all of these awesome online communities come in, don't they? Like you have so many followers and our crowd is growing as well. And I think those those Facebook pages and your blog and the forums, they make such a big difference. That way everyone can kind of talk to each other. I mean, we we do the podcast, but it's really the community that can help you, um, you know, get get unique solutions. And can you maybe talk a little bit about your community? I know you have a huge, a huge community. You know, it's funny because when I first started, it was just my blog. It was the live in La Vida low carb blog. And then this guy said, Hey, have you ever done a podcast? And I'm like, what the heck's a podcast? This was 2006. <laughs> and so they weren't as big as they are now. And at the time, I think the only podcast that was out there was maybe Sean Croxton as far as like real food oriented. And so, yeah, I mean, for me, it's just been cool because I'm in a lot of different areas and people are like, why do you have, you know, a YouTube channel? Why do you have three podcasts that air five days a week? I know Dr. Brett just fell out of his chair when he hears that. Uh, You know, why do you have a blog? Why do you have a forum? Why have you written books? You know, why are you on Twitter and Facebook and Google Plus and all these different areas? To me, it's about reaching those people. Like I said earlier, that thing that drives me and and why I try to be giving of my time is there are people that will follow me on Twitter that would never watch my YouTube videos or never listen to my podcast. And there's people that just listen to the podcast that don't even know I have a blog. And so each of those areas all combined kind of reach an audience of people that but for all those areas I would never reach. So the community is kind of cool because you got some people that are just super fans and they want to see everything that you ever do. And then there's some people that just want to hear your podcast, uh, which, by the way, number one show in Australia. Congratulations, you guys. That (laughs) show. I love it. (laughs) And been a big fan of your show. And, And I'm a big fan of pushing other people's podcasts because we are all in this together. Our communities will only grow as much as each of us grow individually. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks all so much for your support and all of that too, Jimmy. So, so what's next for you? Well, the, uh, Cholesterol Clarity book comes out in August. Really excited about that. My publisher thinks it's going to be a New York Times bestseller, so okay. I'm really excited. And uh, yeah, cholesterol is just one of those issues nobody knows anything about. And you guys did a wonderful episode on that. I was listening to it on a plane ride. I'm trying to remember to one of the paleo conferences one time, and I was like, they're all over my book. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, before uh, it was coming out. (laughs) Exactly. And then I have uh, just signed the contract for Keto Clarity. We'll be coming Mm -hmm. in 2014. It's going to talk about the whole nutritional ketosis experiment as well as some of the other benefits that we're seeing with ketosis with cancer and Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and epilepsy. There's just so many benefits to ketosis. I think it's time to put a book out there and let people see about it. Um, Awesome. And then just continuing my podcast, I'm about to pass episode 700 on the Live in La Vida Low Carb oh, show. Wow. Amazing, isn't it? And uh, you guys are actually a part of that now. You actually did a, a really nice episode for me while I was gone writing Cholesterol Clarity. So thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely honored. Yeah. 
So that just about wraps up our time for today. If you guys want to learn more about Jimmy, which I'm sure that you do, the hub for all of his information and products and podcasts and blog is his website, liveinlavidalowcarb.com. And I'm going to spell it for you. So L-I-V-I-N-L-A-V-I-D-A lowcarb.com. So Jimmy, we want to thank you for being so supportive of us while we got started on our podcasting journey. And also thank you for being such an inspiration to the world and encouraging people to rethink the way that they and we look at health. And it's definitely people like you that have started the tidal wave of challenging conventional wisdom and really making a difference. So thank you very much. Thank you, guys. She'll be right, mate. (laughs) (laughs) So until next week, check us out on Facebook, share your story, and help to grow the Paleo Tribe worldwide. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Hi, it's Dr. Brett Hill from the Wellness Guys and that Paleo Show here. I'm so excited to be barefooting my way across to Melbourne to share with you the absolute latest information for your body, your health, and your life. Even better, I'm doing it with some of my best mates from the Wellness Guys and the Up For A Chat Show, as well as some of the absolute world leaders in wellness, including David Gillespie, the author of Sweet Poison and Big Fat Lies, and Nicole Bilgemer, the country's number one authority in creating a healthy home. The Wellness Summit is 10 hours of powerhouse wellness on Saturday, August 17 at Crown in Melbourne. Go to www.thewellnesssummit.com to book your tickets and we can't wait to see you there.